Hello there, Mr. Spears. Hello there, Mr. Simon. This is actually Mike Wallace. 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes? Yes. Who's the nutty guy that used to come on at the end? That that can be... Andy Rooney. Yeah, there you go. I'm Andy Rooney. Rooney. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess we have to talk about it because that's all anyone wants to talk about. You know, it's uh, funny. It wasn't wasn't a real big weekend of stakes action. (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, My biggest takeaway from that whole thing was the fact that uh, Stuart Janney proclaimed that they could have went after or they did go after the people that he wanted to go after. A, didn't know uh, he was the authority on that. And B, isn't that kind of uh, a little little shady, depending on, on where you're sitting? You know what I mean? Like, he could go after people he doesn't like. I mean, the, the whole aura of this industry is very, very petty. So, it does, it, to me, that wasn't a good look. But, you know, with that out of the way, you know, it was the story that we all knew. Correct. It was, um, it, it honestly was, was a very um, bland story of old news that really didn't offer any new uh, information. It offered no different angles. They didn't um, really do any kind of analyzation of, of, um, you know, statistics, it, it, it didn't talk about HISA, uh, the, you know, the, the troubles that they've had. It didn't talk about you know, the, the court cases and challenges. It, it, <laughs> it just was kind of like an infomercial for HISA. Right. It, it seemed very, you know, very, like you said, bland, generic, kind of getting information out there, but nothing new it was almost like rehashing what we've already seen from, you know, on our broadcasts on NBC or anywhere else you would see Hissa come up. Um, It wasn't a ringing endorsement of them, but it wasn't kind of, it didn't give a counterpoint. It just was, like I said, man, it was just bland. It was just. Bland's a good word. (laughs) it, It could, the same show could have been done two years ago, just about because. I mean, really, what what's what's happened um, in the last you know couple of years that that has changed? I mean, I don't know. It, it just you know you, you hear sixty minutes, and I, I'm assuming this was done as a favor to someone um, because I think I, I just find it hard to believe that the producers of 60 minutes decided, yes, this is what we want to talk about. And then really not talk about anything because it, it was nothing new. And, and I mean, you had Lisa Lazarus essentially saying kind of what she always says. You had Stuart Janney essentially saying what he always has said. And you have Jeff Gorell who, I mean, is this, <laughs> it's interesting because he's not even really you know part of thoroughbred racing and, and yes, he was the guy that originally hired the five stones people, but 
that's just the one detail that was included when there was tons of them that weren't included. It was just a very odd piece. And um, to me, it's, it just, it, it smelled like an infomercial more than anything. And I, I just, um, you know, I, I, I laugh at the people who think, Oh my God, it was against Baffert. I mean, listen, oh, it wasn't against your... anybody. It was just kind of putting some information out there and that was pretty much it. It wasn't, wasn't targeting anybody i just thought it was interesting myself personally what uh Stuart Janney was saying um in comparison to what actually went down you know i didn't know they had that much control over well who they went after his organization is paying for it yeah i mean this is one of those there's so many misconceptions about heist and again we've talked about this many 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 times um, HISA is not really a government program. If it was a government program, little details like due process would have been required. Um, you would have been able to make Freedom of Information Act inquiries that you cannot. You would know um, there would be much more transparency. It's not. It's, 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 it's a private organization that's dressed up as a government organization that answers to the FTC only for the legality of it. The FTC really has nothing to do with anything. They're just uh, the rubber stamp. And it's it's all about structure to make it constitutional. And we don't even know that that's going to pass muster. It's possible that this gets to the Supreme Court. And if it does, it's, I mean, based upon, and this isn't my opinion, I, I don't have an opinion because I don't know nearly enough about it, but, you know, it's been the opinion of, of many others that are familiar with uh, the doctrines and such that there's a good chance that it'll get overturned in, in Supreme court. Um, you know what that means? I, I don't know. Um, but it just wasn't like this damning piece because it really wasn't anything new and it's never good to have, uh, you know, your industry painted in like it was which was kind of chaotic and unorganized and um, I mean I don't know what other words you'd like to use but it's all true I mean it is a chaotic unorganized mess yeah mess of an industry (laughs) that doesn't really um, you know I mean I thought I think it's irony I mean the irony drips off some of those things Uh, like Stuart Janney saying that hey you know his instructions were we want to go after the big people, not not the little people. And then today you have um, comes down that Heisa has suspended Natalie Lynch for four years for <laughs> essentially nonsense. Um, nonsense. It's nonsense. It's so nonsense that one of the violations that she committed has been downgraded from a banned substance to something that the newest um, the, the change of, of that penalty and, and how it's classified for that substance, which is regimate, which is a progesterone, basically female hormone. Um, basically birth control for horses. I, I guess that's just the easiest way to put it. Um, but now they're saying that that's going to be um, not even a fine. 
excuse me, not even a, a suspension. It's just going to be a fine for your first offense. But you're giving her two years for it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of contradictory things going on with it. I mean, you know, just that in and of itself, just the, the glaring length of and, and the uh, severity of the penalty. And then again, it goes back to the 60 minutes thing. Stuart Janney's saying, hey, we went, we were, we wanted to go after the people that were doing things wrong. In his view. Right. So it's like, but what we see is these smaller type trainers that are getting caught up in the nonsense. And they're not even close to getting the people that quote unquote should be getting caught. <laughs> They're catching the wrong people. And, and this is a huge deal because you, you see all this nonsense and they're trying to make a huge deal out of it. When, you know, you as the authority on such things can see that it's not, <laughs> you know, and it's like they, they're trying to twist themselves in the press to make something out of nothing. Exactly. If, if you, the, the, now, now, we're not saying that people commit violations should be allowed to just get off scot-free we're not saying no no not but, at all but what's happening is haisa has turned into uh having the swat team <laughs> monitor traffic cameras and 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 make a big deal of, of rushing to get people who who might uh make a rolling stop when they take a right on red and then giving them like you know a, a, a two-year suspended license for that <laughs> but then kept telling everybody, you know, we're stopping crime here. Yeah, right. Technically, <laughs> a violation was occurred, but it, it's it's just over the top nonsense. And that's the thing. It, it's been over the top nonsense since the start. It's all nonsense. And the theme of all racing needs to to uh, have better uh regulation okay you're good i i'm with you the the states have not done a good job but there's a lot of reasons the states haven't done a good job and they're not doing a better job now Heisa, it's just um it, it's just more chaos and and it, you're not it's not like you're you're shaking out um uh, you know the real big criminals by 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 shaking down the little criminals. These people aren't really criminals. What Natalie Lynch had in in her, her possession, or, or what a horse tested positive for, was like I said, the essential the the uh, equine uh, birth control pills and 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 a thyroid medication. Hmm. And I would guarantee you that like no matter ninety eight percent of the barns have that. Who you, who you are. <laughs> Where you live, where are you listening from? If there's a local riding academy or show horse stable or any kind of um, horses that that are um, at work doing doing, you know, considering they're, they're athletes, not just standing in a, in a field, those things will be in those barns. These are not like. Like this is not like what we're looking for. This is not what this was sold as. This was sold as we're going to get rid of the bad guys, and and you're not getting rid of the bad guys. That's not that's not happening. I mean the 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 meth positives. I mean, come on, man. No one gives their horse meth. 
Well, you know, but the, the glaring thing to me is no trainer of note or any super trainer has been caught up in this. Not saying that those guys are guilty. Miraculous. Because they're not, but they, I, I would think they would, you know, probably be the most scrutinized because they have, in effect, the most horses. Well, remember, there's no transparency here. We don't know who they test, what they test for, when they test. We don't know anything. That's true. Nobody knows anything. And guys that run hundreds of horses a year or, or thousands of horses a year suddenly can just nothing ever happens to them. But, you know, the Pim and Tells, uh, they're, they're people that we, we need to, like, throw the book at. And their case a few weeks ago highlighted the ridiculous financial burden this is putting on people. $18,000 fines for people in the, the, the small stables. Those people might not make, make $18,000 in a year. They don't have $10,000 cash to give to a lawyer to represent them. Right. I, I mean, most it's... of these people are, are small time people. And, and that's the thing is since the, the, the inception of this, my question to a lot of people on the other side was, how are you guys going to regulate an industry where you have um, some states where where you're dealing with maidens that are running for seven or eight thousand bucks, and then you have uh, <coughs> Churchill Downs maidens where they're, they're one hundred twenty five thousand. Obviously, we're dealing with two giant, you know, ginormous wide gap in in um, the scope and and the the financial wherewithal of people how can you you how do you regulate that across the board and you know what's happening is they're just destroying the small people and they're not even catching the big people right i I mean honestly it's it shouldn't even be that difficult because you know they can take a percentage of what the purse is and go from there i mean they can't all be treated the same for the reasons you laid out it's like you know we got you know eight to ten thousand dollar maidens over here and then 110 to 120 over there and there's no fair way to do it unless you have a system like that in place but this is stuff that should have been talked out before it was rolled they, out it, but and they didn't want to they never had any no it didn't it doesn't seem anyone. like it it doesn't seem like it. The way they're operating, it doesn't seem like they had any intention I, I, of doing that. It's not, it wasn't seem like it. I will tell you, <laughs> it. they did not want to. I volunteered for free without my name being used about anything. I said, well, I'm not associated with anyone. I don't have any trappings anymore, right? I don't, I don't have any, um, uh, I, you know, no one's, no one's paying me. And, I certainly know a whole lot about training and about the methods and about, um, you know, I've been all over the place, trained at a lot of different jurisdictions under a lot of different rules. And at the very least could, could like, you know, help you guys out of traps that you're going to get yourself into. Honestly, that sounded like the best resume for somebody at the head of this. <laughs> it's just like, it would have said, how can, and, and my question for like, the, the regime. How is it 
possible that you can label it a banned substance that has no place in a horse ever, yet half the horses in a barn can have it? Like, how does that make any sense? How Doesn't that make people's head explode when, when you try to explain that? Okay, you can't have it in the barn ever. It has no use in a horse. And then say, well, only for geldings. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. What? You're you're banning the substance. You're not banning the act of giving it. And someone just, I mean, this is just crazy. But I think that a lot of people in racing are just stupid. And that hurts. That hurts racing. It hurts because there's just so many stupid people that don't get things. And no matter how much you try to explain them, that, and I'm talking about in inside racing as well as, as you know people that follow racing and that they just it's like they it, like things don't hit them until it it's it's too late i remember this had passed this was like the april following the past the passing of the legislation which was in in late december and a trainer a pretty prominent trainer um who's then members of, of horsemen's organizations in different places. So, I mean, this is not a guy that doesn't, um, you know, never thinks about things like this. He said to me, well, what are, what are they going to do about Lasix? And I'm like, dude, have you not been following this? <laughs> like, what do you mean? They're, they're getting rid of it. And he's like, well, how can they do that? I'm like, this has they been said the they entire premise for like it. a decade. <laughs> you know, like, like, dude. Oh. But there's there's some people that, 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 you know, like, oh, that was a hit piece last night. It wasn't a hit piece. It was, it was just, factual, but it, just it, it wasn't, was, it really, it didn't take us anywhere different than right, we already it was, knew. It was just a mundane, you know, right. look, this is a, hey, look at this, look at that. And it, it means nothing. You know, people get all upset. Oh my God, the animal rights people! Well, the animal rights people They've have been had access They've... to all that stuff before, and right. you know what? It is what it is. They're going to do what they're going to do. Animal rights groups exist to raise funds, man. That's what they. That's why they exist to raise funds. None of them actually care about animals. They're all. It's you know they're they're a thorn in your side, yes, but. If racing was was in in strong, uh, it it had a strong foundation and was doing right. Well. They ignore those are, it. Those are just yes. You just those right. are just you know you just flip them off like oh yeah yeah whatever. What we need to worry about more than any of this other stuff is the the fact that um that we're we're pretty far down a hill of of you know. We're awful close to the cliff. Everything's bad in this business. Everything. And it's like, so many people want to argue about that. Like, don't you see what's going on? I mean, we have been talking about that on this show for, for going on since inception, now. Since we started. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And handles going down and down and down. Tracks are closing. People are leaving. The, the amount of, of feedback that we get, and like I said, we don't have any wide distribution network. We don't have TVG or Churchill or anyone pumping us. We're just us. We just have us. 
and the amount of feedback we get is, is unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 a lot all the time, and you know, it, it's it's refreshing too because it's almost all know, negative. Do, well, people care. Um, they may not know how to fix it, but they know what they're looking at and what they're seeing. Some of them, anyway. You know, I, I was going to talk about Michael Poli um, <laughs> and his his, his, <laughs> his odd obsession at, at getting likes. I mean, it's weird to me. Um, I understand, like, being frustrated because literally everyone that has anything that, that cares about racing in any fashion is frustrated. Which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, if you think about <laughs> as a collective, it, no, yeah. definitely not in this industry. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a tough thing to do to get the entire industry, you know, frustrated. But let me just say this: I like the fact that he's actually willing to, um, you know, speak out. Certainly, he has a bully pulpit of spending. You know, tens of millions of dollars to do it with and other people don't and everyone knows in racing uh, the, the richer you are the stronger you are um, and the, the more you can say without fear of uh, reprisal right um, Mike, is, <laughs> Mike is not a jockey club guy he no. has very much been um, I don't want to say rebuffed but there have been run-ins a couple of run-ins I don't think they're you know those he doesn't seem like he's welcome with uh, with that group, um, and that probably pisses him off because he is a guy that, that does support the game on all levels. But we have to stop thinking that anything that he's going to do is going to work because, and I would tell him to his face, Mike, this is just a waste of time. You're wasting your time. Maybe you're going to, you know, I don't, I don't know, run for president or something. Well, it's because of the gatekeepers involved. But it's it's just, it's a waste of time. If you have the financial wherewithal that he has, and you want to make a difference, you really want to change racing. Buy a racetrack. <laughs> Buy racetracks. Yeah. <laughs> seems, it seems obvious to me. But... Nothing else will work because the tracks don't give a shit what you think. They don't give a shit what we think. They don't give a shit what anybody thinks because Churchill Downs has got the Derby and they can live with just the Derby. I mean, now they have a, a really healthy business and, in, 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 you know, the Commonwealth because of the, the, the machines, um, you know, and they control most all of racing in, in, in Kentucky outside of what uh, a week of Kentucky Downs and, and Keeneland. Um, you know, Ellis is them, Turfway is them, Churchill is them. So, you know, but they don't really care. You have no leverage. What are you going to do? Tell them you're not going to run your races. You're not going to do this. They don't care. I mean, Naira is Naira. I mean, <laughs> they're owned by the jockey club, basically. And they're going to do what they're going to do. But at the very least, Naira is a racing-centric organization. They don't have anything else. So, you know, it's it's there, but, like, I, I don't see anything really changing from that standpoint. And you have, you know, first racing, who's the, 
basically a debacle. I mean, it's a it's it's a mess. It's a, they're they're a mess. So, I mean, if you want to really make changes, you really want to do something, buy tracks, bro. That's the only way that ever you're ever going to get any leverage on anybody. You you can't negotiate with people who who don't have when you don't have any leverage. Oh, we're gonna cut. The, we're gonna horsemen are gonna strike. They don't care. They don't care. They have other interests. All the racinos. Do you think any of those tracks in Pennsylvania would care if the horses went away? They'd all be happy. I don't think any. None of them really want to have racing. They have racing because they have to. Everybody's got their ideas about this and about that. It's simple. If we don't increase demand for our product, we're dead. If you have no, if there's no demand for a product, then there's no audience to sell it for to. Then, then how how do you survive? You can't. <laughs> but if you if you work to increase the demand for your product, then you have to be able to 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 supply, create the supply. The supply is 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 twofold. It's the actual physical horses themselves. You need them to sell to people and to to race in at the tracks. But the pro the other product is the is the races. The betting, right? You need like, people to bet on them. <laughs> this is a, the, everything has changed so much these days that there's so much competition that we used to have a monopoly and we don't. There's so much competition. And people are showing them themselves willing to bet on almost anything. Literally. So it's it's like we can't just take five days a week off and just run on weekends. That's not gonna work. That's only gonna work for a, a brief period of time. I mean, listen, if you're gonna spend all this money and you're gonna hire people and do all these things. Buy a track, dude. Buy a track. Then you know what? You get a seat at the table. You think Churchill Downs cares if Mike Rapoli stops buying horses at Keeneland? <laughs> nope. I mean, Keeneland might care, but they run they run thirty days of racing a year. I, I mean, it's just it's sad, but it's true. We don't have leverage as horsemen anymore. I, I think it's ridiculous that people say, "Oh, well, the horsemen don't speak out against the bad trainers." That's all they do. That's all they do, bro. Ask. Any racing official will say, trainers don't complain. That's all trainers do is complain. Right. Whether it's about the surface, anything. Everything. They they get on the, the track maintenance, the, the gate crew, anything, anything that can point a finger at. Get an edge. I was at parks one day. There was a guy. He had a magical ice machine. You could probably figure out who he is. And uh, he brought a horse in. I had a horse filly was an allowance race. And she was she was pretty good. And this guy claimed this horse, and he brings this filly in, and and she looked like Secretariat. <laughs> she looked like she gained two hundred pounds since her last race, all muscle. I was so pissed off. And they were running a Twilight card that day. It was in the summertime. They were running a Twilight card. I, I remember that. Because, you know, it's weird for Parks. Parks usually starts early. Right. 
And I called the racing secretary, Sal Sinatra. I said, Sal, give me one reason why I shouldn't just take my horse and walk out of here. What are you talking about? I said, this is a joke, man. This guy's a joke. You guys let this shit happen. I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't want to run my horse against horses like this. And, and, and tell me why I shouldn't just leave. Well, the stewards will find you a thousand. I said, well, yeah, that's a pretty good reason not to go. <laughs> um, so I stayed and I ran. And I, ran I, I ran second. And, you know, the other guy's horse went by like seven. There's just like, what do people think horsemen can do? Like, what, what can you do? Who? Oh, they don't complain in public. Well, what am I going to call Dave Grenning? Hey, I think so and so is cheating. Okay, great. And guess what? Have your lawyer, you know, get ready to uh, defend you when they sue you. I mean, you can't just say these things. Yeah, sure, we can make insinuations and we can say silly stuff about. Um, you know, different things, but a trainer can't just come out and, and and accuse another trainer of cheating without any proof at all. Otherwise, it becomes it's just you know slander. So slander or libel? What's what's one of them's written? Uh, I think libel. Either slander written. or libel. It's one of the two. I think libel's written. Slander's spoken word. I could be wrong. I gotta look that up. I'll look it up before the end of the show. But it's it's silly to think that trainers have any ability to police. Did did any teams not take the the, the field when they played Barry Bonds? Remember <laughs> any baseball teams saying, "You know what? We're not playing. Barry's playing. We're we're out." Well, that's because everybody's checks were clearing. Well, the trainers can't just not run. Right, they got to run because they got to get paid too. Yep, and that's the thing. I I had an owner that I was at Mammoth. I had an owner that didn't want to run East Navarro anymore, and I don't blame him. Right? Yeah, that's logical. (laughs) Mammoth was running weekends, and they're running that little. You know, I think I think back then they were running three days a week. Um, but if I got in a race with Navarro. I had to scratch. Well, you know what happens when you scratch? A, you're on the vets list because you can't just, you know, Navarro's in the race isn't an accepted excuse to scratch. <laughs> so you got to lie to get out. And then you're on the vets list. And then you have to wait to try to find another race, which is not always so easy. And when that next race comes back, what if he has another horse for the race? Right, you screwed twice, you know, and that's a whole month gone or whatever, and it was got nothing to show for it. An untenable situation. Right, you got to get out of here. To Bob Colina more than uh, he he got sick of it. He looked at me. I, he would see me and he would know. Hey. <laughs> this is what used to happen with Navarro at Mammoth. He would come in, he would get assigned like 46 stalls or 45, whatever the maximum was. He'd come in with like 20 horses, 25 horses. And then starting day one, claim them. they would be claiming. And I said to him one day, and, and, and this is what would happen. He would keep claiming and keep claiming, keep claiming. And you remember, he wasn't losing horses like a normal trainer would lose horses. If you're a normal claiming trainer, and we... So you, you say you and I went to part business and, and, and I was training for you and we were claiming 
three or four a week. Well, we'd probably be losing a couple of weeks, right? Two, a couple, three, four weeks, because you know, like that's how it goes. And at least if you're a claiming outfit and you're not losing a couple, then you're, you're probably not doing very well, right? Um, because you're claiming terrible horses you can't get rid of. But he wasn't losing them much because people wouldn't claim off of them, so he would have more horses, more horses, and pretty soon he'd be over the limit. Then he'd have 55, then he'd have 60. They have horses all over the place, all over the backside. And they train all morning. And you see them hobbling around there. And then two days later, it'd be in a race, and they wouldn't be hobbling anymore. Right, they'd run a hole in the wind. And we would complain to management. But what what were you supposed to do? Like, and that's the thing is, is who was I supposed to call up to complain to? The New Jersey Racing Commission doesn't talk to people. You can complain to stewards. They say, what do you want us to do? He doesn't have any positive tests. What do you want us to do? And that was the, that, that's what happens. Right. I mean, and that's where the, the whole track private property thing comes into play. Like they did with Baffert. That's the really only thing you can really do. Of course they, they could do it. But There's a won't. lot of things you could do. They just don't. They just won't do it. And that and that's that's really the thing. And and this is why I try to explain to people. And the funny thing is, people say trainers don't train out or, or don't speak out. I said, well, here's a guy who was a trainer, and I'm explaining to you what the deal is, and you don't want to listen. You want to debate me. That's the best. Is that they complain <laughs> that you don't speak out. So when you do speak out, and you explain why this happens and and, and where it happens. They want to say, well, you know, wasn't enough. And, and it's just stupid, man. Do you, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of when my wife asked me to cook something, but then tells me step by step how to do it. Yeah. I was like, well, do you want me to cook it or you want to cook it? Because you could have did it. <laughs> if you want me to I do it, know. I can handle it. <laughs> I don't know if you read the fine print of your, your marriage license, but that's on it, actually. I got to go back and... And look, <laughs> you can be but you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I'm asking you for your expertise. And then like, no, that's not it. Like, <laughs> so you want to know what, what it is or not. I see people do it to you on Twitter all the time. They do. They, they, they do. It, it's like, we go back to the, the beginning of, of when we first started doing this and we said that you can disagree with my opinion on things, but you can't disagree with the facts that I'm going to give you, you know, <laughs> right. you can say, well, I, I think, uh, I don't think flight line was the greatest horse ever. He was a really great horse, but I don't think he was the top horse ever. Okay. You can disagree with that statement because you know what? I've seen a long, a lot of years worth of good horses, you know, but that's an opinion. That's that's my opinion, your opinion, someone else's opinion. But you can't tell me like what I didn't see happen. <laughs> you know? Or you can't I can't, you can't tell me, oh well, trainers don't didn't speak up. Well, because they did speak up. Right. You saw it and you did all so. the time. Right. And it fell on deaf ears. And it wasn't necessarily the person you complained to could do something or the person above them or the person above them in the end it comes down to the racetracks we still have people operating now that um that i would never allow at my racetrack 
<laughs> yeah, I know a few off the top of my head that we I can know, think we, of. People know who we're talking about. Yeah. And they're still operating, and the tracks are still giving them stalls and still allowing them to run at the tracks and not doing anything. To So, so tell me it's the trainer's fault. Tell me again. Tell me again. Right, the trainers can only do so much, and they—they. I'm, they, I'm not they, def- defending anybody. It's crazy. I'm saying, like, it's the tracks, bro. It's always been the tracks. Almost all the bad things that happen have been allowed by the tracks. And well, yeah. since they've gotten slot machines, <laughs> they really checked out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, just just the simple fix of of capping stalls, stall limits, and sticking to it. That's not that hard of a thing to do. It really isn't. Of course, yeah. Not. It's it's gonna they're gonna hear it. it in you're the gonna beginning. piss people off, no right. doubt. But, about it. but you're gonna yeah, get a lot you know. of people pissed off. Mm-hmm. But, but they won't do it because they don't see it as a priority. Can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. Some people are going to get pissed off, yeah. But in the end, it's going to improve the product, improve the industry, improve the game. That's the goal. But is that really the goal? Well, that's the thing. Who you ask? <laughs> no, but that—that's the thing. Is—is is that really the goal for the jockey club? Is that really the goal? Because if you had enough power and you had enough money to pass legislation to control an industry basically through a regulatory body and this is what you came up with it doesn't seem like you are trying to advance racing because I have all along said uh, I mean till I'm blue in the face that we need better rules and we always have needed better rules better not stricter not harsher not this not that we need better rules and, and that's not what we get. Why would you put together a, a, an organization that that counts whip strikes but doesn't uh, but, but lets people hurt other guys over the rail? Why, why would you put something together that that doesn't deal with all of the, the issues on a regulatory basis outside of licensing, state licensing because the states are going to want their money. And honestly, uh, that that's that's a giant mess to deal with, and you know what? Everyone's everyone has accepted the fact that we have to have licenses in different states, and and that's all there is to it. But outside of that, all the regulatory processes should be controlled by a central organization. But the central organization we have doesn't. They they don't do anything for wagering security. They don't do anything for for on track uh, incidents. I mean, it's it's just this this you know this flawed deal, and and a, and they don't endear themselves to anyone. They like nobody. What do we always say about people that believe what they want to believe? Oh yeah. People wanted to believe in this thing. Oh, yeah. They, they still try, but th- there's a lot fewer of those at this point. They wanted to a believe lot less. It. They wanted it to work. And 
no one on that other side wanted to listen, and they still don't. In in a in an article, on the DRF that gives a, a announces a trainer who's got twenty one lifetime wins is getting a four year suspension and like a twenty five thousand dollar fine for nonsense. In that same story, at the end of the story, Heisa essentially admits they screwed up. Right, and change the, the penalty thing that they're charging this person with. It's like, how can you read that if you're not a complete simpleton and <laughs> say to yourself, man, like, what are they doing here? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> why, why would they press on and give this person this? Oh, oh, she lied to us. Oh, well, too bad. Too bad. All right. The facts are the facts. Exactly. The fact is that the the rule that they put in was a bad one. The penalty was way, way, way too severe. So why make it stick in this occasion? And you know what? I'm sure someone has some legalese bullshit because there's always some nonsense. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is that there's no government watchdogs watching this because if there were, they'd be hounding this to death, but they're not because they can't get the information because it's a private organization. They can fix it. And anything that they have fixed and, and they get a lot of, a lot of back padding when they uh, reverse fields on some things and when, when they fix things that they've screwed up, Nothing that would have ever been fixed by them if it wasn't for people complaining about it. And it wasn't for bad press. And it wasn't from pressure from from the bad news, basically. That's why things get fixed. All right. So I have a question for you. So we're sitting here on November 13th, 2023. Has can you name one positive thing Heisa has done since they've come to light or since they've been online? There are things that in a general sense you could say are positive. I, I mean, I believe it's a positive that we all fall under the same basic rules. To me, it was always um, it was a pain in the ass from one point, but it, it just didn't make sense that one jurisdiction you, you could, you know, the withdrawal on Lasix or excuse me, withdrawal on Banamine was forty eight hours, and another one was twenty four hours, another was well, they say it's forty eight, but you better do it sixty. I mean, none of that ever made any sense. Um. So from that standpoint, having one set of rules makes sense, but there's just so many rules that didn't need to be like the shoe rule. Um, I'm not against a, a whip rule, but it shouldn't just be an arbitrary number. And that's what it seems to be, a completely arbitrary number six. One of the arguments we had against the rule, whip rules in the beginning was that in the end, this is a competition and, and, and we should be concerned with people not giving their best to win 
and you you, you create a, a real gray area when you put a whip restriction in, especially one that's not that well defined and one that isn't that easily um, uh, accomplished. Or no whips at all. <laughs> yeah, or no whips at all, which is always just. Man, I, I look back at that era, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is going on? You look but, at the no, races from then, it's like, what are we watching? But like some of the mandates they've come up with about some of the um, vaccinations, they, they have no business doing that. They really don't have any business getting involved with any of that. They don't, none, it's not a person who works for Heisen has a clue how to, how to train a horse. Not a single one. Vets don't have any clue how to train horses. Let me ask you this question. Do you think like all vets or all doctors are the same? I, I, what if, <laughs> Definitely not. What if you had to have a, a kidney removed? Would you, would you want your podiatrist to do it? Because, well, he's a doctor. No, I do not. He's a specialist in feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, not so, the same thing. <laughs> exactly. It'd be it'd be like spies like us. Remember when they were in? <laughs> when Chevy Chase was doing the operation, he was reading the book. <laughs> oh, that was a great movie. Um, I I just. Well, I mean, you did you did give one point that was that was positive that you know, but that's it, huh? That's the only thing. Pretty much. Okay. Like there's so much that was promised in the beginning, and it just hasn't happened. Remember, they were they were going to take care. They were going to, um, they were going to um, have a, provide oversight for the the sales course they don't you know I, I what i would enjoy if they really if you know the hard-hitting journalists out there in, in the horse racing industry or anywhere for that matter i would like to see a day in the life of maybe lisa lazarus or someone that works day-to-day operations with for hissa yeah, a real one or, or the, a real one. No, I'd yeah. like to see a real one, like you know, like a, a documentary style, like follow them around. I almost hear what they do. I almost guarantee you it would be boring. I'd rather probably, be probably bored be, and, and try to meetings. understand what they do <laughs> than to be out in limbo and be like, uh, what do these people do on a day to day basis? Put, put it this way the, the only day they'd let you see would be when they were planning the uh, the company, a raid? Uh, the, no, the, the company uh, Christmas party. Ah. they're not going to let you in. It's too detailed because, you know, they act like they're they're chasing, you know, terrorists or something. Well, I mean, they can blank out names, you know. That's that's yeah. what TV does, you know. When it comes to racing TV, it's almost always boring. Mm. More fluff. Because, you know, it's too complicated. Though, to be honest, at this point in racing's timeline, if you are still following it, you know, maybe you do have some mental issues. I know we certainly would qualify. <laughs> it's an understatement, sir. Um, but, yeah, some, some of the stuff that comes out is just like, you know. 
But the truth of the matter is, like I said, man, I says the concept is great, but the, the you just botch the execution at least so the rollout. Like I think, I think spring football is a good idea. I think the USFL is a good idea, but they always screw it up. They're either underfinanced, or they they just you know they go the into product isn't good with, a, with another the, 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 right, the product isn't the good. Like it's just you know there's there's it's a good idea. People love football. People would watch football if you gave them something compelling enough. If you you tied it into something, but it just it never really works because they screw it up. I mean, it's like that National Racing League thing. That that's a that's Oof. that's a stupid idea because nothing that they're saying makes any sense. Like racing is already. I, I I did I did think that it was <laughs> I don't know I got perverse uh, pleasure out of, out of <laughs> listening when they when they described harness racing as a niche sport where <laughs> the horses pull cards. <laughs> oh, that was like that thing last night. Yeah, yeah, it's a niche sport where horses pull carts. <laughs> I was like, what compared oh, to? That's great. That's great. <laughs> the horses pull carts. Um. But no, the the National Thoroughbred League is it's it's a bad idea because it makes no sense because there's no allegiance. Why would anyone have any allegiance to anything? It's made up. If you put a USFL team in Saratoga, I would go to the games. Sure. A because I'm bored, but B because it's, it's there, right there, our home yeah. team. You know, like like we have no real allegiance to it. But if you if you keep playing year after year after year, well, that's how you get allegiance. And. It's something that, you know, could work. Like, the National Thoroughbred League, like, nobody's interested. Nobody cares. No, not really. Why would anyone care? There's no, there's no catch to this. Oh, I think it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. you think it'd be great if it was your team. It's, it'd be like watching fantasy horse racing, except you're not involved. But, hey, you, for $150, you can come to the races that you pay, you know, $5 for every other day. They're free. <laughs> It's like one of those ideas that you just shake your head and you're thinking to yourself, well, why would anyone do this? This doesn't make any sense. You know, you can't just take, okay, people like parties and people like horse racing and people like drinking. So we'll put them all together and it's going to work. Well, it doesn't really work that way. It's like, you know, the Pegasus in, in the winter has become a, you know, a big day for racing. It's, it's kind of, yeah. a, you know, a big event day. It doesn't make any money. They lose money on the deal. I mean, they're only doing it because the owner of the track likes to have a big party. Well, it's even like the the Breeders' Cup. You kind of had to start somewhere, right? But well, yeah, but you you'd start by making money. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that usually helps. <laughs> that that's you know one of the big problems that we have in racing is that, um, you know, and and when I go back to Rapoli, hey, buying track. I mean gotta be prepared to not make money with the tracks or, or not make what you should make if you you spend a uh, 500 million dollars to buy a track and then and, and you you can squeeze out a eight million dollar a year profit it's gonna take you a while to recoup but no it's not that, that's not exactly a, a great use of uh you know your 500 million put it this way if you had 500 million dollars and 
you invested it and you only made eight million a year, <laughs> you'd fire your investors or your the people investing for you. You'd, you'd shoot them. Um, but you know, part of the deal. Part of the deal, my man. Art of the deal. You got to start. You got to start somewhere. But I mean, these are all realities, bro. These are realities. This is this is the reality that we face in this business, and it's a it's a bad reality. And you know, you know what it reminds me of a little bit is Caddyshack Two. Just the thought of Rapoli buying, you know, yeah, a racetrack reminds me of Caddyshack Two. You remember when he bought Bushwood? And turned it into <laughs> some wild, like, yeah, mini golf kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> Not that Rapoli would do such a thing, but I, I think there's a there would be a fear there by the, you know, the the old school blue bloods that you know what is this this guy doing? Yeah, well, you know, I, I fear I fear he would he would buy a track and then just hire the same old people. That's that's I I would see that more than anything. With the else. same old tired same, ideas, same shit, different day. Yep. And that, that's what this industry is like. Notorious for. Yes. Yes. Like symposium. Uh, you know, that's my school. It's my alum. You know, I'm an alum. That's my, you know, it's my team. But uh, a lot of the people on the symposium panels are the problem. They're not the solution to the problem. They are the problem. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, this this kind of stuff trickles down everywhere, like even to the media portion of things. How many times are we going to see the same interview with the same person? Now we got uh, we got Poopsie. <laughs> he liked the so now it'll right? come with the, with the Australian. What's that guy's name that I called? The, the, I, I don't even. I don't. I don't know his name, so I call him Poopsie. Now I think his name is actually Poopsie. <laughs> It, it it'll just mean that we'll get that same interview in an Australian accent. What, what's that guy's name? Oh, Dubs. 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 Yeah, Dubs, yeah. Dubs like, Anderson. Tonight? Hey, yeah, you like the Knicks, right? The, I didn't see the spot, but I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, the Time Lord said that he liked the Knicks tonight. Yeah, they got beat by sixteen. Mm. Truthfully, we should be able to figure out a way to profit off of this. Just go on the TVG, the horse racing <laughs> analysts, whatever they bet, bet the opposite way in sports. And I mean, it has to, it, it almost, it's like a guaranteed win, right? I mean, they, they, they have I didn't be, even realize they were doing such things. It's, it's, well, Rich, Rich Perloff isn't. No, GP. That was that was the 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 handy capsule, man. The handy capsule has the toolbox. The 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 toolbox. I love that shit, man. It's launched for the last time. It was crazy. You know, it was the one man show on Mondays and Tuesdays. He did a great job. I mean, it's it's yeah. It was the least annoying weeks days of the week. Oh, but he used to field questions and stuff like that that they didn't do at any other time. Stuff like that. He was very interactive. I appreciated that. It was always about racing. 
You know, yeah. it wasn't about gimmicks or nonsense or it was about racing and about, you know, handicapping angles and stuff. And I like when he used to slam the people that used to send the sideways emails or something that didn't make sense. <laughs> that used to, oh man, I used to love that. Yeah. 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 TVG is, is no longer, it's, uh, it's a weird dynamic, man. It's it's a very strange dynamic there. You know, I, I don't see much difference other than them using the sports odds, which is so annoying. I don't know you why know, I, they I, do I it. I noticed that they're, they're doing that on ESPN2 as the, the big thing on the bottom. It's much bigger than the normal one on regular ESPN. Huh. Well, you remember, I mean, ba- you remember the days when they, they just had the, 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 the screen? Like, there was nothing else on there? Not even the score. <laughs> yeah. The sports odds when you're talking about horse racing. I could I could do without that, to be honest. <laughs> it's the same thing, man. <laughs> I know, but it's the same thing. Like do you really think people don't get it? A seven to one is is, is you know, plus seven hundred. You don't think they figured that out? I mean, come on. It's not like it's some complicated formula. It's so so bizarre. If you're a young person, and I know our demographics skew pretty old, you really better have some backup plan. Yeah, I find that this, uh, the younger generation, I I say this, I, I don't like how I sound saying that. Um, but they're not, uh, they're not so good at math. Well, I I just, I really feel bad for the the young kids that are interested in racing because I mean, what kind of future do we have here? I mean, the sales are down. I I thought it was really kind of amusing to me in in a sadistic way that, um, a lot of the the breeders are suddenly, you know, taking a, a second look at heist the ones that were all adamantly. Oh worried. man! Oh man! Yeah, yeah. And I kept saying, "Why do you want to injure your customers?" Well, rah, 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 rah. well, your customers are the people that buy the horses that are falling, you know, prey to the the um, you know a lot of these rules. They're they're going to be financially harmed. Like, shouldn't that be? troubling to you and it wasn't and now the sales are trending down and all of a sudden it's trying everybody hit the panic button yes because at some point i mean it's an artificial market of sorts in the top of the market is a luxury item essentially that there's always going to be billionaires and they're always going to be have money and they're always going to want to have the best of the best. Right. The most expensive thing out there. <laughs> right. But now it's gotten to be where, um, you know, you, you're seeing huge drop-offs in the sales. The last couple, you know, it was 28% the other day. The average was down. That's brutal. And, and it's a trickle-down effect. It really is. I mean, how can you have all these other problems in racing and tracks closing and tracks running less and 
and, and, and more disgruntled people, more disgruntled owners, and, and not eventually have it fall to the sales ring. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what's happening. And, and a lot of those people owe me an apology. And I don't want an apology. I really I could care less. But I was told that I was for the status quo and this and that, and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And I kept saying, you're not listening. You're not understanding. Rules against Lasix are not going to be beneficial for the quote-unquote breed because the breed won't be around by the time any supposed um, influence might be felt. But what it will be bad for is people that buy horses that do bleed. That will be bad for them because now, in a lot of cases, those will be sunk costs. And if the sunk cost happens to be a significant portion of that person's yearly budget, well, guess what? They might not be so interested in buying horses, and they might say, you know what, next year I'll buy a yacht. (laughs) I mean, you know, the thing about us is that we don't have any real allegiances to anyone. Like, we're not trying to make you bet or not bet, or buy horses or not buy horses. We're just trying to, to, we just want the game to be better. I wish people would buy horses. Oh, hell and yeah. I wish they would, I wish they would give it to trainers outside of the same five or six trainers. And and I wish that um, you, you didn't cuss your trainer out when he put a jockey on that wasn't the, in the top three. And I, I wish you people would bet. I wish people would bet more. I wish hackers would hack into the CAW teams and then destroy their computers. I mean, we want good things for racing. Oh, absolutely. But uh, you see how I snuck that, that hacker thing in? No, well, um, just in case they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we just tell you how, like, from our our view, what it looks like. And that's that's an unbiased view. You don't get it very often from other places. No, there's always a caveat or, you know, a lot of times holding them back from saying what they really want to say. Or they're they're influenced or they feel like they can't say something or they feel like, um, I mean, listen, if you you hang out with people and and groups and, and they're all for one thing and they're for one thing and for one thing and for one thing, I mean, it's natural that you would, you would probably gravitate towards being on their side on that topic. Um, it's just natural. But the problem is that a lot of times those people are, the, you know, the, the group you're with, they're, they're doing it for personal gain or for personal reasons. You just get swept up in it and, you know, you're seeing their personal side, but you're not seeing the other side. It's like when people say, well, um, like, why do you get mad when tracks do gimmicky, you know, wagering things? Why? Because if they're doing gimmicky wagering things and they're spending money and they're spending time and effort, that means that's time and effort and money that wasted uh, that they could be doing things that would be positive, that they're actual true customers, right? The customers that can, that can cause them profits because like it or not, whether we blame the tracks for all the issues or not, we, they, they need to be profitable. If they're unprofitable, if, if, if racing is completely unprofitable, then how can we we hope that anyone will do it outside of of being forced to do it? I mean, maybe we're already in that situation. 
most places that they tracks would all close if, if not forced to be open. But but again, we're we're trying to get things to be better, man, and and we're not even pointing fingers, really. No, it's kind of the collective. There's there's you know there's a lot of lot parts of this business that are are kind of crumbling that need you know a boost and you just gotta i don't know somebody's gotta really actually do something i mean his the idea is great but they really haven't done much other than you know inconvenience a whole lot of people and in some cases just kind of ruin their whole experience in the business um you know, the, the, I don't know how much more the betters can be vocally about lowering takeout. But, I mean, ever since I can remember, they haven't, they've never changed it on what the betters ask for anyway. So, it's like, where to, do you start to make things better? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just for anything that'll make it better at this point. Improve one aspect. Just one. And 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 I think things might be able to to, to be cultivated from there. But until that happens, we're kind of stuck. We're kind of in limbo until something actually happens that's positive in a positive direction for the product, for the business, for the industry. I haven't seen it yet. No, the industry does. The industry is is like a, a one of those giant oil tankers <laughs> that it takes them, you know, a long time to to stop or to turn. And and we we have a real hard time getting the basics accomplished. We have a real hard time at, at getting people. In the to tour. actually even admit that some of the issues exist. Yeah, that that too. I mean, if I if you gave me a track, if Rapoli hired me to run a track, first philosophy I would have is that we're going to make the place um, as we're going to try to make our product as good as we can make it, and we don't want to. Um, you know, we, we don't want to do make the mistakes of, of other places. There would be some people who we would not allow to participate. And if we had to, to if we had to, to fight lawsuits against that, then we do it. Mm-hmm. There, there's no better advertising. There's no better marketing in the world for your product than, than, than spending money on a lawsuit to defend it. Uh, I would want it to be a place where horsemen felt comfortable that they wouldn't be persecuted over nonsense and that they would get a fair shake and that the track, the facilities would be good ones. And we would work hard on trying to maintain the track services and the barn area. And we would want to make the owners feel comfortable and part of the process because they are partners with us. And it sounds like so simple, but like nobody does it. No, 
nobody really does it. I mean, there's certain tracks that have, you know, some elements of that. I mean, Kentucky Downs certainly does everything they can for the horsemen, and they they state it, but they don't. You know, they, they, they've they've they're they're also a track that doesn't have a backside, right? And they jacked up the <laughs> yeah, right the takeout raise takeout, which and they, they 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 print money at the place. I mean, that's the thing is, don't insult us. You're printing money here. You're making tons of money. This is not an unprofitable place. It's a wildly profitable place, which is great. You know what? You people invested it. You, you put your money up. You know, to the victors go the spoils. But don't make us pay an extra, uh, an, an extra dime because, you know, Heisa. I mean, come on. But that's the thing. It's like, don't, we're not going to insult our customers. We're not going to insult our horsemen. I mean, and we're going to explain things. We're going to do things the right way. And you know what? People are going to be pissed at some of our decisions because that's just the way it is. You know, not everybody can be uh, happy with everything you do, but sometimes you have to do things. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, then you know what? Then next time you do it differently. But you have to be cognizant of the problems. You have to be cognizant of the of the, the issues. And it just doesn't seem... It just seems like, like everyone in this business is on the defensive all the time. And you you just can't be on the defensive all the time. And that's all we do. We're, we're just always on the defensive. And, well, you know... I mean, the, the what you just said over the last, like, five minutes or whatever, that should be the playbook for every racetrack. <laughs> I know. And, and you know what, foundation. Barry? I mean, you know, not word for word or anything like that, but pretty damn close. Because a lot of those things are would would address gripes that people have in certain areas of the industry in the sport. No, I hear you. And, and like it. I said, there's some tracks that have elements of, of, of both. But in, until it gets to be all tracks, doing all of them, I mean, you can't expect this business to turn around. It just doesn't feel like it's going to turn around because nobody feels valued as a customer. Most of the owners don't feel valued. If Mike Rapoli as an owner, as many horses that guy owns, if he doesn't feel valued as an owner, now you can say whatever you want about him, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But the fact of the matter is that when he said, I don't feel valued as an owner, more or less, paraphrasing, a lot of owners were right behind him saying, yes, yep. we don't even. We feel you. Yeah. A lot of people are. And, and that's when that guy, how do you think a guy with two horses feels you think he feels like like he's he's you know valued as as is a guy that's spending uh six thousand seven thousand dollars a month having them two horses train you know to provide the product for the track they don't how do you think i mean we know how the betters feel the betters get offended at things they that, that don't have anything to even do with them <laughs> that's how offended <laughs> they are <laughs> yeah well, how do you think we feel yeah no kidding we get it you're right. 
But the 60 minutes thing, it's not a turning thing. It's the same old, same old, bro. It's the same old, same old. Nothing's going to change because nobody has any balls. And that's just the truth of it. It's the truth of it. That there's there's probably a couple really good racing executives out there. But they'll never get free reign to really do what they want to do. Or what they think's best. It's always going to be restrained. There's always going to be a catch. There's always going to be something. <sighs> and, I mean, it's just a... It's a sad state of affairs, but... I've been talking about this crap for 20 years, man. And... I feel zero vindication that almost everything that we've been talking about... See, Bick and I were talking about this in the early 2000s. That almost everything has happened, has come true. And... I mean, I don't want to be right about shit like this. I want to be wrong. I want things to... I want to be surprised. And I think that's the thing that so many people feel now, too. Is that there's always a feeling of doom... Because nothing ever changes. Like, no one's ever surprised in a good way. It's always going to be something, like, that's going to be worse. Not good. Yeah. yeah, something worse than what we already been through or saw, what have you. But that's, you know, again, I'm not... All I'm saying is that people that listen to Big Show from the beginning they know man because we talked about a lot of this stuff for a long long time and major changes are, are, are need to be made and and this business the, the 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 institutions within it need to start to work together more not work together to like jack up source market fees that that's the only working together they do <laughs> you know, you need to fix the greatest six schedule. You need to fix the takeout. You need to fix the stupid betting rules. You need oh, to create man. a situation where the backsides have much more competition. It's not so heavily weighed to four or five out, six outfits, and everybody else starves. You've got to rein in the, the, the CAWs. You know, I mean, almost like an NFL type model where, you know, you, you want the competition spread amongst more people. I mean, that that should be really obvious to them. It's not because a lot of the people that, that are the power brokers benefit from this. I mean, yeah, I, I the just... game does not. No, <laughs> they and... may personally, but. The game in the industry is not. I mean, it's 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 struggling, especially on, you know, the 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 lower, quote unquote, lower class of the game. You know, like the the real claiming trainers. Those people are being forced out because there's no hope and no relief. It's insane. Yeah, and it goes back to to a lot of these organizations really want. To change, that they really want it to change. I, I don't know. I really don't. And 
I mean, that's the biggest thing, but but Mike Rapoli, we're here. We're probably a lot cheaper than anybody else, <laughs> and we'll tell you the truth, no matter how much you're going to hate it. Fact of the matter is, ain't nothing you're going to do is going to really make any difference. It's going to be little, tiny uh, things around the edges. Um. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, look, the Thurbit Idea Foundation got breakage in one state, so it made millions of dollars for betters. Um, but they they didn't have any any real authority, and even when they had, you know, they put out white papers. Pat puts out a lot of good stuff. Um, they're just you know, you just sometimes can't get tracks to help themselves. You know, so <laughs> they can't get out of their own way. Man. Yeah, it's it's the only way you can deal with these people on a on an equal basis is to is to be one of them. And if you're not going to buy a track, at least one. I just don't see where this is going to go anywhere, but. But um, hopefully we're wrong, right? Yeah, well, we're hopeful we're wrong, but Vegas odds have us at one to nine. <laughs> being right. What is that? What is that? Minus well, yeah, three fifty. Right. It's ten cents on the dollar, poopsie. Whatever your name is, Dubsy. He seems like a nice enough guy. I don't know why I pick on. No, him. I. He... Golf guy, yeah, that's what I picked up. He just doesn't seem to know golf guy. He just doesn't seem to know about anything that they pay him to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, uh, you know, kind of uh, cool. Um, It was a big week for for Arizona, other than the fact that the yeah man, other than the school is two hundred fifty million dollars in in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, there's that. Yeah. That's the ultimate. How, how do those people still have jobs, man? They they, they screwed up the, no the idea, budget for man. the university, and they 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 have them two hundred fifty million dollars overextended. They have no idea how to get it back, and yet they're still employed. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just there until they fix it, then they'll get rid of them. <laughs> uh, maybe the racetrack industry is taking over the racetrack industry program. They're using the same. Model is racing. No matter how badly you screw up, that's okay. You still get your job. Hey, but we beat Duke on the road and and, and Arizona football, man. 19th in the country. That's what I'm saying. That's the bigger surprise to me. Yeah, man. Because they were trashing that squad before the season, weren't they? Yeah. Well, they got that, you know, that the guy got, you know, the one thing about college sports, football especially, is. Sometimes the guy who's the incumbent isn't better than the guy who backs him up. And when the opportunity arises, the guy who's the better player but isn't playing because of you know some hierarchy that, that's, you know, you're always going to play the seniors, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Arizona's quarterback got hurt, and they brought this kid in who's a redshirt freshman. Nasty. And he's been great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's great. And, and the best thing about him is – is that he's five foot nine, meaning that 
ain't gonna be no going pro, you know. Right, he's gonna hang around. He'd look up to Doug Flutie. That happened actually here at uh, UCF a couple of years ago. Kid got hurt. The backup was ended up playing better, and the guy came, I think he came back from injury and then transferred to a different school. <laughs> the guy that had the the starting job originally. Yeah. Well, that's what happens nowadays. Like your your players and your coach do well, and somebody else comes and tries to steal them. But um, but no, they've they've uh, they're good. They're I mean they're a really good team. The defense is picked up, and they run the ball. Um, the offense is is really good. They got a really a, a, a um. I tell you, I I have failed to really pick back up with college basketball after the pandemic before it was, it was fine. You know, I used to watch often now, ever since the pandemic, I really haven't had very little interest in college basketball, which is crazy. You know, I I have almost no interest in college basketball. (laughs) Outside of Arizona, the people I know, you know, I know, and, I know and, some and, kids and, playing around, you know, around the country at different places, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on them. But you know, it's still I, I used to watch like on Saturdays, just literally watch college basketball. I, I haven't done that in a long time. I, it was before the pandemic. Yeah, it's yeah. odd. To me, <laughs> yeah, I have, I've not, I have no interest in college basketball, but I watch my team because you know it's Arizona. Oh yeah, of course. And they you play know. Duke, and they beat Duke, and everyone hates Duke. And it was the rare occasion where ninety-seven percent of the country was was on our side. Right, and I didn't replace it with, you know, a different sport. It's still basketball; it's just more NBA oriented than previously. Yeah. I mean, I always lean that way anyway, but now it's like pretty much all in with the NBA, no college. No, I, I, I hear you, man. College foot basketball has changed. You know, it's interesting that college football seemingly has kind of changed for the better. Mm-hmm. And college basketball has decidedly changed for the worst. I mean, it, it it's just not nearly as good as it was. The girls' game actually has gotten better. I, I can't tell you. It has. I, 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 I have at this no point, I'd be because... more apt to watch a, a women's game, women's college game, than a men's college game. I would only watch a women's college game if, if I was concussed and didn't realize what I was watching. It's a better game. At yeah. this point, you, you, you nailed it. It's a better game than the men's game right now. Well, the men's game is, is like foul fest. <laughs> Hack. Hack and sack. The refs... Um, the refs... Um, you know, they, they just get too involved. Too involved, but... I'm fine with the NBA. I like watching it. People don't yeah, like it. Yeah, me too. You don't like it? I don't care if you don't like it. It's it great. Matter to me. It's outstanding. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. We like yeah. it. Yeah. 
We're not stuck in the nineties. No. I mean it's it's different, but it's it is different, but it's I like it. And believe I, me, the referees they have their problems. They like suck, clearly, but they're all new too. It's like you don't even know the guys. Remember yeah. the old guys? They, you know, like Ronnie Dick Nunn and. Uh, yeah. I mean, those guys are around that, for like thirty years. Was that guy Jack? Jack Ram? No, oh, Jack Ram's yeah. coach. Oh no, man! The old guy. He was got a Charles Barkley raced. Yes, the guy was like a hundred. Yeah, Hubie Brown's ninety. So that's Hubie Brown is ninety years old, man. He's ninety years as old. sharp as ever, and he's still doing games, national games. Hubie Brown's first year in college coincided with the beginning of the Korean War. <laughs> Holy cow, bro! Not the Vietnam War, the Korean War. Dickie V's up there, ain't he? I think Dickie V's in his 80s. But. Yeah, Hubie Brown. I remember I thought he was old. The first Hubie time Brown I, was. When I met him, I met him at the Final Four. Um, And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I was like, man, he's old. And that was like 20 years ago. <laughs> He uh he was the coach of the year in the ABA in 1975. Yeah, that was like fifth. That was almost and 50 I was years thinking, ago. When I met him, he had to be in his fifties, right? Well, if you late fifties, maybe in his sixties. If you, let, you met him thirty years ago, yeah, that was about it. I, I was I was a senior in high school. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> So it was, it was 30 years ago. So he might have been between 50 and 60. Or probably closer to 60 since he's 90 now. So, yeah. Dang. Yeah, man. Think about that. 90 and still doing games. He does them well, too. The greatest thing ever was... Um, NBA All-Star Weekend. One year they had this promotion <laughs> where a fan got to you know, like shoot like, you know, that they have those those promotions where they shoot like a layup and a free Oh, throw from the different more. spots, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they had, it was the pregame of the All-Star game and the Guy, the guy was going out there to, you know, to this fan was going out to shoot for like a million bucks or whatever it was. And Hubie had scouted the guy like he had watched the guy warming up. So he said, yeah, yeah, he's good on the right elbow. He's not so good on the left elbow. And, and you know, he, he he's going to get the layup, but I don't know about, you know, he's going to get up there. On the <laughs> like he had a full scouting report on the guy doing the, 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 the fan, uh, uh, promotion he gave the breakdown yeah he did and I, and I remember the guy who was watching it was he's like Huey Brown's the greatest man he just gave like a spotter report on, <laughs> on, the, on the guy shooting for like the Dr. Pepper you know whatever it is oh man that was crazy though but yeah I was I hadn't heard him and and you know he was on the game the other night he was doing the Knicks Celtics game and I was like Holy crap, I looked up, he's 90 years old. That reminds me of, like, at 
at home sometimes what I'll do is I give the the telestrator to Sabria and Amber on why I don't coach basketball. And I'll break the film down. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll rewind it on the DVR and say, all right, here's the set. This is what they're supposed to do, and this is what happened. This is why I don't coach. Yeah. And then why I have all of my hair. It, it would be hard. You know, I see these things like, you know, this is just in passing. You know, breaking down the film or or at least a play or two. And like, man, look at this idiot. He's just running out there for nothing. Like, just running up and down. Not even in the game. No. Yeah, a lot in the NBA. <laughs> Guys get lost. They're just, like, out there, but they're not really doing anything. He's like, oh, he started. He had, you know, 28 minutes and... Like, wow, what was he doing the whole time? I, someone was talking about it, and I was listening. I said, listen, man, the NBA, everybody really kind of knows your plays. Mm. It's not about... Yeah, it's no mystery. Gonna, you're, you're not going to trick anybody. And it's you're not going to stop about, anybody either. It, it's just about executing and not making mistakes. And, right. You know, taking shots that, you know, your shot selection has to be good. And, you know, it's you're playing the percentages again. You know, you're going to have off days. Your best players are going to have off days. And... And a lot of those off days you're going to lose. And it's just the way it all, you know, just the way it is. Play a lot of games. You can't, you know, you can't go balls to the wall like you can in college because you play 82 games and you fly and, you know, you're, you're, the playoffs last forever. You have to keep, you know, save some. Well, it it keeps the efficiency in, in, in being deliberate as part of the game, not like, you know, in college where they get all like wild. You know, you see these crazy sequences in, in college games that you would never see in the NBA just because the pace. Yeah, you have to you have to win sixteen games to win the title. So, you know, you, you might play the the if you went seven games every every series, you would play twenty eight games in the postseason. College teams only play like thirty four games, right? Total. Yeah. So. You'd be playing, and, and these aren't just, you know, regular games. These are high-intensity, you know, half-court battles because, you know, playoff games are, are different than, than... Yeah, they're turned up. It's just a, you know, it's a different animal, but... Uh, but anyways, well, the NFL is still as crazy as it ever was. San Francisco looked terrible. It's a bye week. Flies cross country, has to play a one o'clock game, which is always supposed to be the toughest thing for West Coast teams is, is flying cross country and then playing at one o'clock. Right. And just, beats Jacksonville in the rain. Right. And it beat the crap out of Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, the game wasn't ever close. No, Jacksonville I, was never in it. Nope. They were never in it. I, I, was, I was stuck with that game. That's why I have watched it. Shout out to Antonio Pierce, though. That's a University of Arizona alum. Coach of the Raiders beat the Jets. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a uh, bing bong. The Vega kids, man. Tony Vega's kids. Yeah, they're, they're friends good. with. Uh, they're good friends with Antonio Pierce. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yep. That's their guy. So he's been the mammoth. 
TH. Yes, sir. Anyways, anything else going on? No. No, 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 no. No scores? Nothing. A whole lot of nothing. Although Giannis was kind of revving up before we uh, started taping. I don't know what he's at now, but he's, he was getting it going again like he did against Orlando on Saturday. He's been putting some points on the board. Bro, if he could shoot, it'd be ridiculous, but he can't shoot. Uh, it'd be unfair. can't even shoot free throws. He, uh, he's a terrible free throw shooter. Yeah, he went for uh, 35. Thirty-five and eleven, just another Only. day. How many assists? Like seven? Uh, two. Only two. Oh, hmm. he had those two early. That's why I said that. <laughs> but uh, they beat the they beat the Bulls. The Bulls need to blow it up. I'm sorry, Man. Joe. And they, yeah, Zach Levine ain't the answer. That that team is is uh, DeRozan ain't the answer by himself. Them, them guys, they're gonna get parcelled off. Yeah, they don't have good chemistry. I don't know what it is about that team. They, I don't know. It's even awkward watching them play. It's weird. Well, they're not a very good defensive team. That's that's really one of the problems. Yeah, well, that's – yeah. I mean, you're starting three, you know, probably minus the, the average or minus defenders doesn't, you know, doesn't help. And the problem is that their best defenders – uh, guys like Williams and Tory Craig, they're, they're not really scorers. So, nope. I mean, if you do, Liability, them, yeah. But that team is just not a good team, and they yeah, they're not. They don't have a good makeup. That I think don't. that's what it is. They don't. They don't have the right roster. They need. And they're getting older faster. Yeah, Zach Levine. I don't. I don't know how I could put too much faith in him at this point. I mean, he's going to give you numbers, but they don't really ever mean anything. I, I don't. I don't ever recall him being in any kind of meaningful games. No, not really. Not really. Good player, but, you know, makes the backs come. It's it's, it's not really fair to judge people on how much they make, but in sports today, it matters because. Right. You can't fit in everywhere. Right. (laughs) You can only, you can only fit so many of those uh, salary cap. Um, you know, reducers in, in your into your into your salary, and you know, having a guy that makes that much money means that there's probably uh, you have to skimp on a couple other guys. And I mean, it's just part of the. I I think it's funny when you see some people talk about um, you know, sports on Twitter and stuff, and that they just sometimes disregard the the <laughs> the rules. <laughs> And, you know, like everybody's saying, oh, well, you know, the Jets should trade for Kirk Cousins. Well, you know, Kirk that, Cousins, that'd be nice before he but... got hurt. But Kirk Cousins makes $25 million a year. The Jets have like no salary cap space. So, yeah, they could have probably figured it out, but they probably would have had to release a couple guys and, and, and do a lot of restructuring and a lot of this and a lot of that. And. You know, they also yeah, have a guy for Kirk that, Cousins. Come on, yeah, for Kirk real. Cousins, and and they also have a guy in, in the roster who makes like forty seven million dollars a year who's got a busted Achilles. Right. I mean, be real. Right. So, so what are you gonna do? Like, you're gonna you gotta trade, ride with what you got, man. You're gonna trade a bunch of assets and and then like have to get rid of people to, to bring the guy in. Well, 
it never made any sense because it just didn't, you know, if it was fantasy football and you could just make a trade, it'd be fine, but it's not, not where we're at. You, <laughs> like finding a couple million for the salary cap is, you know, restructure contracts, blah, blah, blah. But finding 25. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, you know, and it wasn't like, uh, it just was an idea that was never going to happen because of, of the financial implications for as much as anything else. And yet it, you saw it getting tossed about all the time. And, and that's the problem, you know, the teams have. It's why in, in, in pro football, because the, the cap is very complicated, and, um, they don't, they want to restrict player movement and they, they want to, you see all the fines they're giving these guys now mm-hmm. over, over nothing. I mean, they want their money back, basically the owners, um, which is why I almost never, ever, ever side with the owners because, you know, they're just billionaires. There's rich people want, want to get richer. Why, why should we root for them? But um, you just uh, it's why in football you see really good players get released. Tyreek Hill. Because, you know, Tyreek got traded because they, they couldn't, you know, couldn't fit. It the, wasn't going to work, yeah. No, wasn't. he wanted more money than they had to give and they just they weren't willing to give up other guys to, to squeeze them in. And, but you see guys get outright released. They just get yeah. cut, you know, because they, they can't afford them. And, I mean, it just becomes uh, a situation where you're, you're getting rid of good players because the, the salary cap is a puzzle, and sometimes you have too many pieces for that puzzle. That's what happened to uh, Turgo Glue, and <laughs> they locked him out of the facility. <laughs> yeah. He's making too much, and he was old. He was on his way out. You do. They had no other way to to kind of squash that, so they could sign some other veteran. Had to cut him. Well, our guy Garnett is probably having a stroke right now. Why is Celtics losing? No, no, he likes the the Bills. Oh. He's a big buff. Oh, I thought yeah. you meant Kevin Garnett. No, Kevin Garnett. He don't care about nothing. But uh, no, Denver's got the ball. and Garnsdale. Yeah. As uh, Ray Katola calls him. Garnsdale. They, they, they had a, a clip yesterday from the Bengals game. And, it, and right after they, they showed the guy scoring the <laughs> touchdown, they went to the stands and the guy looked exactly like him. It wasn't him? No. Looked exactly like him in the Bengals stuff. Oh, he's in Bengals gear. That's a no-no. Man, I was like, "Wow, that, that looks like his cousin." Man, that guy looks exactly like him. But, but no, they're they're uh, they're tied fifteen up in the fourth quarter with Denver. Oh, Denver's atrocious. And then, and then Buffalo's at home. He might even be at the game. Yeah, he might. It's been a, a few well, shout out to his son Ace, by the way. Happy Ace. birthday, Ace. That's right. Ace made another birthday. Well, I got nothing else. To do, so, no, I'm good. <laughs> I think we got it all out. Yeah, we did. 
Well, I guess we'll see you next week. All right. See you. Hey, everyone. Barry and I want to thank you for listening to The Big Monday Show. And for those that also read the Going in Circles Digest, again, thank you for your support and for listening to our show, reading our stuff. In that same vein, we want to announce that we are now part of a horse racing-centric website. It's called RacingHub.com. R-C-N-G-H-U-B.com. It's brand new. We're just slow rolling it out. Uh, It's going to be a spot where you can go for information, for takes, for analysis, for opinions. And they're going to come from us, of course, and others that we feel have unbiased opinions that aren't trying to sell you something that understand racing and the issues and you're going to get a view that is not available in that many other places. Uh, We have quite a few people lined up to join us. Again, we're rolling it out slow. We're not trying to be anyone else. We are ourselves. This is our site. This is what we're doing. We have other partners that are involved as well. But we want people to check this out and make suggestions tell us what you want to see tell us what you think is missing in the horse racing media um, we're going to do handicapping we're going to do uh, coverage of races we're going to do a lot of different stuff but we want to hear from you because you guys uh, you guys are the, the listeners so check it out RCNG hub.com racinghub.com Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show, Barry and I We'll break down the vaunted 60 Minutes interview Which turned out to be pretty much uh, same old, same old Anyways, we'll get to that and a bunch of other stuff. Back in a sec.